0: What up, Critters? Welcome to the Roll to Hit Season 3 wrap-up show, brought to you by Dice Envy. Uh, I have to say, uh, I got my first set of Dice Envy dice uh, recently, and it's the black on red, the metal dice. And my crits have gone up 50%. No joke. I've calculated it. 50% increase in critical hits. Uh, they have a subscription box you can get uh, where you can get a new set of dice every month delivered to your doorstep, which is pretty cool. Uh, they also sell dice individually. So make a great stocking stuff for a little gift for any gamer in your life. Uh, and if you want to make your party jealous, go to Dicenvy.com. Like that. All right. And
1: uh, just to be clear, they're not weighted dice. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You may not too. have actually gotten more <laughs> crits. So. No, no, it's statistically proven that I have rolled more
0: quit. crits. Quits. All right. It's off to the start. <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's start off by giving Josiah a big round of applause for taking us on this journey this season. Well done, Josiah. Very good. Very good. Uh, thanks. Uh, let's get started. So uh, let's kick off by going around the table, uh, or I guess over the air because some of us are not in person because some of us left our, our great state of Connecticut. Sorry. Uh, saying your name, uh, who you play, and how you think your character changed this season. So we'll
2: start with Sherlock. So this is Paul playing Sherlock Gnomes. I think the the biggest change in my character from the beginning of the season to the end was that my character now, I, I'm, I'm sure as people people probably realize by now they've, if you watch TV or hang out on the internet, my character has a motion picture coming out. That's uh, Sherlock <laughs> gnomes. And uh, so you can catch So yeah, you can catch me on the big screen. Um, I'm in a movie. It's the sequel to Nomeo and Juliet. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be great. I, I, they asked me, Paul, to do the voice acting but I, I graceful, gracefully handed it off to Johnny Depp to do it instead. Oh, that was so. nice. He,
0: he needed the work, so yeah. that was good. Yeah. That was good of you. yeah.
2: I'm a little bit busy with the podcast.
1: I don't know yeah. if I'm going yeah. <laughs> to... Wait, do we get the licensing money from them yet? No. That's right. I'm waiting for that check to come in, man. We do always add copyright <laughs> on our website. <laughs> By the way, I love that when people do that, they just put copyright at the bottom. I'm like,
2: does that even mean anything? Yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think I... I accepted the the actual rules of the game and no longer dual wheel, dual dual wielded crossbows as as was in the second season. <laughs> I accepted that that was technically not allowed in the game, so I, I uh, transitioned over to that. And then late in the late in the season, I got that boss crossbow that had the kind of all the different contraptions on it and let me choose which type of attack I wanted to do. And I didn't get to toy around with that too much because I got it pretty late in the game, but. That was a, that was a, a fun addition to, to... In addition to just shooting a crossbow twice, I now had more options about what to do. So that was nice. Very cool.
1: Sean, how about you? So I play Thaddeus, the uh, half-orc paladin. I think uh, there are a couple things that changed mostly for my character. Uh, one, actually, a lot of them were um, backloaded or uh, towards the end of the season. Um, the first thing, though, that was earlier was getting the a uh, little bag of critters. I, I, oh, I don't yeah. know. That was my favorite yeah. element of my character that I got that item and I was able to use that throughout. Um, although that is connected to my least favorite moments of the uh, season, <laughs> which I'll mention <laughs> later. But um, other than that, uh, two other things. Um, defying my uh, the thing I set as my class, I got a shield that I can animate. So now I can use a great sword again, <laughs> even though my character was sort of built to be a shield wielding to help other people out i decided i wanted to uh attack more Is just how i put it be a bruiser <laughs> so i switched back to that uh and then the third thing that's uh it's kind of important i uh finally got uh, a focus right that's what it's called uh so i finally got the uh bahamut necklace or i guess pendant Uh, That allows me to do certain um, spells that I couldn't do before. Basically, the way a focus works is if you don't have the item, you don't have to use items in order to cast certain spells. You can just use your focus instead. But for a, what, two seasons maybe? (laughs) Uh, The spells I could cast were (laughs) limited because I can only do the ones that didn't require uh, certain types of materials. So that's kind of an important thing to have as a spellcaster. Nice. How about you, David?
3: Um, The way my character in the.
1: Oh, you could talk about how you grew as a
0: person. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, absolutely.
3: <laughs> uh, no, so the, the number one thing that changed, I think, is, is my bag of trinkets. Um, maybe it's not the num- number one thing, but it's my favorite thing. My favorite thing mm-hmm. of the whole yeah. season is having this bag of trinkets. Because uh, if you knew from my season, you may have noticed I had tons of trinkets. I was rolling on, the, on this compiled 500-long uh, trinket table as often as I could. Also, we give... will
0: get through all 500 <laughs> if you listen to the show, yeah.
3: <laughs> it was mainly it was mainly because I love trinkets and I think they're not only red herrings but can also be used to creatively problem solve. So I mm-hmm. love when people can use a trinket to get
0: out of an issue. Eight ball throwback. Right yes.
3: There. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Should I draw a trinket live on air? Oh, oh no, my god! I wasn't ready for this. Oh, Do it. So look out, guys. Next season you might see an ace up the sleeve because Alfred's gonna have a letter of complaint to a toy shop owner. <laughs> 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 so keep your eyes out. That's going to be the entire uh, focus of the show is to get this letter to that toy owner, the toy shop owner. Um, and,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's your quest.
3: <laughs> and uh, as a character, I think you'll see... Uh, That's right, because you got
0: laid, right? That was like your, <laughs> yes, your first right, quest. My epic quest. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that happened, so...
3: Yeah, so I've got a kid now in the game. So I think... The most, the biggest change Alfred will see is I think he's going to have to weigh the options of being a hero, and uh, you know having a kid and the safety. And what's great is that during the season that kind of got put into put into jeopardy again because he learned some information that kind of rejuvenated his desire to be a hero, um, which which I can talk about a bit a bit later. But uh, yeah, has a kid, needs to provide for his family, but also had to save his ear. And you might not see his adventuring days over just yet, folks.
0: I really hope there's some kind of role for dirty diaper changing. <laughs> Sleight of hand. Explosive oh, poop. Sleight of <laughs> hand with the poop. Uh, this is Rob playing Talon. Uh, I think you know Talon didn't have his brother around to kind of morally guide him this season. And I think uh, he became a little bit more cynical. Uh, He stopped lighting candles (laughs) for victims. I don't know if that, I think that happened this season, right? I think I still, maybe in second season. I don't remember. I don't know. I think I lit a few. It was off camera. It was off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I became a little bit more cynical. You know, he's spending time away from the monastery now. He's kind of losing that religious part of him. Uh, That monk one really is not uh, (laughs) not an important uh, class for him anymore. And, And, you know, he'd also, I think in the first season and maybe part of the second, he knocked out a lot of guys. Like it was very much not lethal damage. And now he's just kind of like light him up first, (laughs) ask questions later. Uh, Very gung ho. And I think, um, I think he's probably going to carry that on to the next season too. Uh, All right. So let's uh, bring Josiah into this. Uh, What?
1: No, I was going to say, you, you didn't uh, ask Josiah, and then I was like, wait, you were not playing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're not hosting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so Josiah was actually, a, some people may know this, and, I, and we've referenced this campaign a little bit throughout the seasons, uh, but Josiah was our original DM when we before we started recording Roll to Hit uh, in a fourth edition campaign, um, I think it was before fifth edition even came out. And there were reference, uh, there were references to this in other seasons, but uh, this came out in a big way with Talon meeting his father, Robbieus, uh, who was the character that I played because I am I was not good at naming characters. <laughs> um, so, Josiah, since this was technically your second time DMing, but kind of the first full experience DMing, uh, first well, time with fifth edition. Yeah, right? can you talk a little bit about your experience as as the DM for Roll to Hit?
4: Yeah, so, you know, it's it's always a lot of fun to be able to tell a story and see how you guys uh ruin it and uh <laughs> and um no, you know, it's it's a lot of fun and uh to to try to bounce ideas off each other and and just go with it. It's it's a lot like improv theater. And uh you know, when I describe D, uh being a DM or or just playing D&D in general to people, I I tell it I I explain it as a collaborative storytelling and so it's always a lot of fun for me um, it's a lot of work I, I had a lot more ideas than I actually executed on and so um, and you know you guys were always patient with me when I was uh, not as prepared as I probably should have been um, so I appreciate that and and I have to say a big thank you to David who um, he really kick-started my season by uh, actually asking me to do a couple things while it was still his season. So um, when you guys got fortunes at the uh, the deserted circus, that was uh, that was actually because David had asked me to come up with some 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 vignettes or or something that could show up uh, on those fortune cards. And so that actually had to be um, put into my season, and that's that kind of started the general outline. And then also a big thank you to David again because he helped me brainstorm a lot of the uh, homebrew, homebrew items that I put in there. Uh, So you know Sherlock already mentioned his uh, his contraption, and I mean the whole idea for that contraption that um, that crossbow came from David's bag of trinkets, right? (laughs) He pulled out a schematics for like some really complicated crossbow, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll make that. So um, nice. So, you know, uh, it's, it's a big circle and, and a big team effort, so you guys gave me an applause, uh, but I, I wanna say thank you to all of you for, um, for putting up with me and giving me good ideas and, and making a really fun experience. You know, it's Aww. funny you mentioned that um, <coughs> that we were patient with you. Um,
1: and I don't know, as a player, I can never really tell. I guess if you're not prepared, I, I don't really notice. It's actually funny, going back to um, David's season, there were multiple ab- or sessions we had where David's like, this is going to be a really short <laughs> session. I have very little written. And it just ends up being a normal, like, whatever, three to four-hour session that we do. And um, yeah. so, you know, you did a good job with that. I'm curious, though, you know, I'm sure you're only half-joking when you say... Um, that we're here to kind of ruin it. Do you find it worse to write more because you really don't know if whatever you write is actually
4: going to uh, come to pass? Yeah, actually, um, yeah, I, I didn't really script things out. That just it wasn't my style to begin with. And um, I think, you know, you guys would, would uh, wean me off of that very quickly if it were my style. Um, but what I did like to do is just make sure I had all the encounters mapped out, like as far as... Uh, uh, the yeah. creatures pre-rolled and all that stuff, and the backstory. So, uh, you know, it probably when we, when David was playing, he had a backstory and you know, twenty-five characters on that train that we all could have talked to and had you know, <laughs> hour-long conversations. And you know, my my backstories were very thin, or or I just had fewer characters with backstories. Right? You go into the tavern, and it's the same two people, yeah. and uh, that sort of thing. So that's that's where I felt like unprepared, and then a couple times um uh, we'll talk about this in more detail a little bit later, but I was using some software to uh support the campaign and um and a few times uh the few sessions in the in the front part of the season um I still was getting used to the the software, and so uh there was a lot of dead time and uh you know but uh you guys stuck with me and and uh I do like that software. Like I said, I'll talk more about it later though. Cool. All right.
0: So uh, we're going to sprinkle in some of our favorite moments uh, throughout the season. So I'm going to ask David to uh, set up his favorite moment.
3: Yeah. My favorite moment is unsurprisingly uh, the entire Duke Argantum. uh, (laughs) What'd you call it? The, the, The Duke Argantum mystery, I guess you could call it. Yeah. My, my character's opening the beginning of the quest of his quest was really to find who this Duke Argantum was. He himself wasn't sure if he, hated him or respected the hell out of him um, but no matter what he, he had to find out who this guy was who he kept being compared to or actually I guess uh, compared against because everyone seems to think he's better than me um, so definitely learning learning who Duke Gargantum was was my favorite moment um, and then the reality of who he was was also my f- favorite moment like it, it couldn't have been paired better this is probably my favorite moment in d and history was not only learning who Duke Gargantum was, but finding out how, how much how important he is to my backstory. Uh,
0: so I've got two clips here. The first one is when I think we had just gotten to the bar for the first time, and we were looking to find, or Alfred was looking to find out where he could find uh, Duke Gargantum.
2: Uh, I'm gonna call Alfred over. Hey, Alfred. Record scratch.
0: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> come on
3: over
4: here, buddy. So I, 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 just, I get off the stage. Just this music just ends. You <laughs> I mean, hear a collective, "Aww," <laughs> and uh, you hear like one guy grumbling, "Like Duke Argentum wouldn't do this."
3: <laughs> <laughs> Camera just goes and focuses on me, and then a rack focuses past. And I just turn
4: around. Who said that? <laughs> it's like Marty McFly being called Chicken. You know, I,
3: can't. I just want to know who Duke Gargantum is. I'm not mad at him. I want to know who he is. He sounds cool.
4: Uh, you really want to know who said that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Y- you can tell. Like, There's one guy obviously like grumbling.
3: Everyone's staring at him. <laughs> I'm going to walk over <laughs>
4: Sit like this and go,
3: You know something about Duke Gargantum?
4: Yeah, I know Duke Gargantum. Everybody knows Duke Gargantum. Where are you from? You've been living under a rock? Yeah, that's what I've been doing living under a rock. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah i've been living under the rock <laughs> uh
3: so yeah so this is the entire time you know he's being sprinkled with this mystery of who is duke argantum and i could not be happier to learn it was
4: so alana says we'll be back with the-, the next group in uh five minutes
3: i'm gonna run over to duke argantum and go duke i'm a huge fan I love you, Randy. So, please. he's at
4: the bar talking yeah. to Scar. Yeah. You you run up to him, yes. yell at. Yeah. And you, he turns around and it looks a lot like your dad. It is a T-Rex. <laughs> why would
3: Duke Argentum? Why would my dad, the one who made fun of me for all
4: these years for playing music, suddenly want to play music? And Duke Argentum says, "Ah, one of my fans." I'm just going to squint at him for a while. You squint at him?
3: Yeah. Just trying to trying to He starts um, to
4: Stroking his non-existent beard Because I don't think teeth he's like he's, horn. And he's like You remind me of the babe <laughs> <That's> <laughs> So awesome. he says Akmanos?
3: Akmanos? What is, is that your real name? Little Akmanos? Guys that's my real name <laughs> no! what, How did you Who are you? What have you done with the real Duke Argento? <laughs> <laughs>
4: he's like I am the real Duke Argento you don't remember me? What? I came to your fifth birthday party? Uh, Uncle Duke? <laughs> I'm your grandfather.
3: What? <laughs> so, yeah, so even even reliving that now, it gets me, gets me so excited. Just, uh, yeah, this perfect backstory of, of course, right, my father hated my barding uh, desire because his own father had left him to pursue a similar life. Um, it was just the perfect, they could uh, you, you, you couldn't have scripted it better who, who organic was going to be and to get me
0: so riled up and interested oh, about yeah. who he was. I, the fact that it played out over, what, at least the first, like, four sessions, five oh, sessions? I thought it was more
3: because I, I thought I found out who he was towards the end of the game. I, I'm, I myself am trying to remember when I learned who he was and I, I can't even place
4: it. It was towards the middle end, so this the, definitely the second half of the season. And, yeah. I mean, as early as before you even left for, um, for the Misty Isles. So when you were still in that, that town and kind of wrapping up things from the second season, somebody said, you know, he, he, somebody made a reference to Duke Argentum. So it was right there in that first session mm-hmm. where I started dropping these hints that uh, there's this other bard.
1: I actually saw Josiah's um, iPad where he does all his uh, DM notes, and all it was was just a story arc where it just says (laughs) connecting the two. He had nothing else written. (laughs) He didn't have anything else planned. But that was the massive story arc that had to be completed. Uh, So speaking of big
0: story arcs, uh, Josiah, before you started the season, we talked a lot when you were kind of mapping out the campaign when we were still doing David's campaign. Uh, And you had the story, if I remember correctly, organized into acts. Um, yes, and I think there were what
4: three acts throughout the whole season. Yeah, more or less three acts. I, I you know, I kind of smooshed things a little bit and, and expanded things a little bit, um, but those three acts were basically the voyage, so getting to the Misty Isles, and and the reason to get there, and then the the second act was um, you started to meet Melicent and and like gain her trust and vice versa you guys started to trust her and then the last act was the the heist uh kind of getting into the uh the palace and, and doing that final job and finding out that you had been betrayed
0: so the uh the villain character carrying carry like being a villain throughout the whole thing obviously was planned from the beginning
4: oh yeah definitely um i i wanted you to i mean it's it's not the most original idea i'll be honest but uh I wanted you guys to be played, basically, by somebody who was a a bit of an anti-hero. You know, she she wasn't, like, a nice person to begin with, and she was always working in the black market and stuff like that. But I tried to give her enough charisma and uh, give you guys enough monetary reasons to think that, okay, she's moving things forward and you can trust her, Uh, basically put her into that fixer position. And um, and it's funny because several times – I don't know if how much you guys believed it, but several times I think Sherlock and and yep. um, and Alfred said, you know, I bet you she's evil or she's the dragon. Or, I, I know, distinctly like
0: remember that. Paul saying that like at least three or four times <laughs> yeah. throughout the whole thing. He's like, oh, I wonder if she's a dragon.
2: <laughs> I have a question because this just popped into my head just a second ago. There was that one time right after we rescued her where she took us to her little underground. It was like under a tree, a hideout or something like that. Yeah. And there was a part where I tried to steal something from like, or I tried to open up a box or something. Yeah. And I think I, I failed doing it Would I have found a book that was like, how to be an ancient (laughs) black dragon for dummies or something like that. And I would have been like, wait a second.
4: Well, that was, um, that was just a hideout. And so, you know, I, I wanted it to be, uh, to feel like she had secrets, you know, but, um, it's not like I had a, uh, something that would reveal everything to you right then and there (laughs) although i did come up with this mechanic that um at certain points specifically sherlock had to roll perception and if he rolled high enough he got extra clues as to what was going on Mm. so um i think i I failed most of them (laughs) twice uh it didn't happen as much as i as i thought i would use the mechanic because you know it's kind of a tricky thing to like give you extra clues without completely breaking uh, what I had in store, but um, yeah. that was one idea. As far as uh, other main uh, plot points, um, you know, obviously I wanted to fit in all the stuff from the um, the fortune cards that you had. So yeah. that yeah. was Sherlock was talking to a barrel or a bush or something. I can't remember exactly. And those were all his meetings with Mycroft.
0: I, I love that cycle. Like going back and listening to it.
4: Yeah, you, you guys we didn't had to, hear any of that exactly. until the end. So. Exactly, uh, and I, I with, like uh, with Thaddeus, I think his fortune was him um, peering over a banister and, and seeing water, and that was representing, uh, representing the, the journey uh, in he was uh, onto the Misty Isles. The side. Yeah, yeah I, and, and I think at one point you threw up on the ship, and that, that yeah, was yeah. your fortune. Yep. <laughs> um, with Alfred, you know, it was a little different because we had to retcon that in, so his fortune was basically uh, Azir's farewell uh that type of thing. And um and then with Talon, uh your fortune was seeing uh somebody in prison and with red eyes looming over them. And I wanted you know, you to feel like the red eyes were dangerous when all along it was Splug and Splug was a companion of Robius. So I had to make sure I fit all those things in and then, uh somewhat related to a couple of those fortunes, like Sherlock's and, and Talons, uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody had something for their backstory right so mm-hmm. uh, there was always I, I wanted every each player to have a moment where they were um, connected to their backstory and you know uh, I, I think with Alfred it, it was a big connection but he, he gave me a lot to work on he gave me a you know his whole bio and obviously with Talon I, I knew that it was always Talon, son of Robbius, and a couple times I called you Robbius in the the sessions. Like, totally forecasted that. And, um, you know, Sherlock, I I know uh, Paul took Sherlock as his namesake, and uh, I just always thought it was funny uh, that Paul is not that familiar with the actual Sherlock stories. (laughs) (laughs) So so I threw in Mycroft as his, uh, not really foil, but his... um, his connection to his background there uh, because Mycroft if you if you read the, the stories is actually Sherlock's brother's name and um, but you know it was a connection to dubs I wanted him to you know that's how he started that's how he was introduced to us uh, Sherlock was and um, and I wanted to give him that option to to play the detective and then with Thaddeus you know his his story or background being that of a, a, a street urchin and I, I wanted him to kind of meet these friends that he had before he became a big uppity paladin and um uh hopefully that was that was interesting to you guys so those those were the big plot points that i i knew i wanted to throw in and then like i described earlier with the three different acts the journey the uh plots and schemes i called it basically getting to know melison and then the final heist very cool all right so we'll move on to uh my
0: favorite moment, uh, which there were a few candidates for this, but ultimately <laughs> uh, I was going back and listening to the episodes, and uh, it was right after we got off the main ship, and I think we were on two smaller boats, and there was that turtle dragon monster that came up <laughs> next to the boat. Yeah. Uh, and the scene plays out where I impulsively acted, and then you know decided no, it wasn't the best idea. But then we we kind of like collectively played the scene out to see how it would go if I had done that. <laughs> Uh, and hilarity ensues.
4: So they're still off a distance, maybe 10, 15 feet behind you. And right next to the boat, a giant head pops up out of the water. And you see this eye staring at oh, you. Oh, I s- put my stick in it.
0: <laughs> what? There's no
2: in the quarterstaff. <laughs> Are you rude?
1: We're going to anger a giant.
2: No. Wow. Is no. that what you'd like to do? No. <laughs> this is he, it's one of those things where it, the whole scene plays out. <laughs> 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 and it pulls back, and it's just him thinking it in his head. Like, what are
3: these days? <laughs> yeah, no, it just cuts back, and it's it's Talon holding hold the oar, I'm like yeah, that's that's what it would
2: have done. <laughs> Captain Reeveschuk was like, "Thank you, thank you, Talon, thank you." Hydra, <laughs>
4: Hydra out of the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I Hoping I just
3: save and hear all my sisters.
4: We love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, um, oh, all right. Uh, this is be a long session <laughs> yeah. i just i just
0: realized i made that randy joke twice <laughs> yep. and it happened to be in yeah. both the clips <laughs> i think we've made that joke oh many God.
2: times over the seasons probably
0: that's so funny that's probably gonna be in the other clip too um no i just like this is like uh, just looking back at it like this is what D is to me like the best part of DD is when everyone like, we've, you know, we've been playing for, what, at least, what, three years now? And, you know, we have this chemistry with this group and, uh, you know, we're at the point where we just riff off each other. And it just, it was one of those times where things just kept escalating. Uh, we were building off each other and, and it ended up being... My favorite moment of the season.
1: Well, riff off each other is a good way to put uh, telling somebody no. Yeah. <laughs> like the disappointment in your voice when you realize you can't, you're like, no. It's I just, just,
0: I love using fire spells. <laughs> They're a lot of fun to use. I love bashing things with the quarterstaff. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so let's keep it going here. Back to Josiah. So, was there, uh, I know. Paul and his in his season had planned out like an entire I think it was going to the underdark that we just like completely missed. Yeah. Um so was there was there anything that you I know you said you you know you had the major plot points out, but was there any idea that you were like, oh my god, this is really exciting. I can't wait to do this, and then for one reason or another, we either just killed the idea or went in an entirely different direction.
4: So in general, I kind of hinted at this before. I, I had like ideas for more backstory, but I never with some of the stuff I didn't get around to um, adding it as detailed as I wanted, or uh, there was a case where like actually I, I wanted the the highwaymen to be alive and to uh, mm. for you to eventually meet the highwaymen and um, oh cool. by the time we got to that, like you know some of this some of this stuff like the the journey took a lot longer than I thought it would take and uh, it took more sessions than I thought it should take and, and stuff like that. So I started to leave some of this stuff out or or change it so that it would be it would still be in there, but uh, a little less uh, time intensive. So I'd say that was probably the biggest thing that I didn't include because I had this kind of backstory about how Robbius was a part of the original Highwaymen. And, you know, he was captured mm-hmm. and and I wanted you to play through some of that rather than just have mm-hmm. the exposition uh, when when you saved him or rescued him, but uh, like I said, time kind of cut that short. And then in general, I uh, I'll give you an example of of things where I probably shouldn't have done them, but I did them anyway. <laughs> Which is uh, I threw in a lot of monsters. I just wanted a, a large variety of monsters, and um, so things like the di- displacer beast, the chimera. Yeah. The yeah. the mm. like um, and even that that last uh, boss fight was a, a death knight, which um, death you guys squire, could not actually. defeat. <laughs> yeah, I, I changed <laughs> it to death squire, right? Cause, and that's what I I, I started doing was uh, I just started nerfing the, some of the the monsters so we could get some some cool things in there. And actually, it the first time I did it, it, it happened by mistake, right? Like the those displacer beasts. Uh, I forgot that you guys were supposed to be rolling everything with disadvantage because they're basically mm. shifting between two different planes at the same time. So right, they're right. just hard to hit. And I kind of forgot that halfway through the battle. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, we'll just go with it. <laughs> but uh, you're still, <laughs> still going to die either way. So, <laughs> so you know, I threw in the unicorn. And that, that was the other thing I tried to do was throw in um, – Uh, help for that encounter by, you know, uh, another beast being in there or, you know, I threw in the unicorn, I threw in the genie uh, to help you guys out. So you could have these kind of epic battles that you technically weren't really supposed to have yet. But uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully um, you didn't mind too much. Were there any beasts that you really wanted to put in that you couldn't? Well, I, I knew from the start, you know, with the dueling sisters that there would be a blue dragon and a black dragon. And I just thought that, um, it would be too much nerfing for you guys to fight the black dragon, Sure. Uh, <laughs> cause black dragons are, are pretty, pretty nasty. And, um, and so rather than do that, cause the other thing, uh, I don't know if you remember this, I'm sure you remember Rob, but we talked to those guys, uh, who did Aeon on altar, the, um, those yep. game devs, uh, yep. on our other podcast and when we were talking to these guys who made this RPG um, mobile game, one of them mentioned that they took a, a reoccurring villain from their old D&D campaign and kind of reworked them to fit into this mobile game that they had made. And that kind of opened my eyes and was like, yeah, you could you could have a, a villain that's reoccurring, right? Kind of like any comic book you've ever read where you know, you've got Magneto who's always there, you've got the Joker who's always there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want you guys to, f- I didn't want to force the issue and have you fight Melicent only as a, as a nerfed black dragon. So I just wanted her to be this villain that was kind of in the background and, and there's the potential that she can come back if I DM or, you know, even if I don't DM, then maybe you'll hear about news somewhere else in the world where Melicent is causing uh, a ruckus. So... Uh, Mm -hmm. I chose not to have you guys actually fight her directly. All
0: right. So let's uh, kick it to our favorite gnome detective for his favorite (laughs) moment of the season.
2: So I chose a scene that was actually right after the run, the one that Alfred just talked about. So right after he meets Duke Gargantum, who... I, I don't think we'll play this clip, but I thought that his name was Duke Gargantum the entire time. And there, is a, there is a brief clip during that episode where I say, oh, it's Duke Argantum? And everyone's like, yeah. And then you continue to say it so fast that I continue to think that it's Duke Gar- Duke Gargantum. But anyways, so this the reason that that meeting happens is because of the Battle of the Bands that's happening at that tavern. And I think this was one of my favorite clips because... I think my possibly my favorite <laughs> moments overall in all of the roll the hit seasons have been David's parody songs yeah, yeah. and we, we didn't get them a lot in season two because he was you know dming Alfred the road right. wasn't actually in there so to have him come back again and do those it was it was just great and this one was you know it wasn't a parody song per se but it was just a sick D styled rap but we still get the parody song we still got a taste of the parody songs because now josiah player two has entered the game with some of his parody songs and he had some really good ones in there too my favorite was definitely the the beastie boys which was just a bunch of it was a bunch of humans that were dressed up like orcs or like half orcs uh, i thought that that was very clever and and yeah, so so let's let's listen to a clip of so it goes on for a while, and it's the whole the whole episode. This whole part is gold, but I think we'll just listen to a short clip because it does go on for a long time of when uh, Alfred comes up and finally does his set.
4: Uh, next set, the Beastie Boys, <laughs> Brass Dragon, <laughs> and uh, I like this one. Pretty simple. They they're they're kind of uh, thuggish guys, and they're obviously human, but they're trying to look like orc. You know, <laughs> kind of, you know so they've got like pierced noses, and you know they're kind of grayish green, but you can see like it's probably just some mud smeared uh. on their face. And they're orc all like face. brass dragon, chaotic dragon, <laughs> drain the flagon. Now he's dragon. <laughs> nice. So that's that's a uh, brass dragon. You ready, Alfred? You almost ready? Yeah, no, I, th- I think
3: I, th- I think I'm ready. Oh, I just want to make sure that I'm uh I'm talking as much shit as possible because I'm just gonna I'm gonna namelessly call it a bunch of people just like vaguely point at them when I'm saying this. <laughs> nice.
4: So here's my last song. It's actually I think it's pretty good. I can't deliver it very well, so uh, we might re-record this at some other time. Uh, but it is um it's by. Run DM. (laughs) It's called Tricky. Nice. This roll is very vital. You know it's for survival. (laughs) To roll that die, it must not lie. Here we go. (laughs) It's tricky to critical hit and not to miss. You roll to hit. 22 crit. It's tricky. (laughs) It's tricky, tricky, tricky. (laughs) That might win. All right. The crowd likes that one. That was good. All right. Now, Alfred, Battle of right. the bands. All
3: right, I'm going to get up there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my hood up like a rabbit. Just get up there. Just, like, thinking in my head. I'm just going to take down the hood. <laughs> spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can read my own chicken scratch. <clears throat> you called me here for a battle just now. Then you go and insult me with some off-key drow this would be fun but this ain't hard no prob cause you sent a bunch of flops to do a bard's job <laughs> the rhymes you've been hawking that you're squawking while you're rocking all that mocking and the knocking I'm just balking cause I let my dos do, do the talking I gave you the, the you the advantage and you rolled ones double I'm a natural 20 you're a critical fumble I go straight for the jugular from this pro jugular no joke these lyrics come from me so fast I don't even have to think it so let's freestyle some shit from my bag of trinkets <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so, while I'm juggling this mermaid scale, here's some advice I'm gonna unveil. Uh, you there, if I was you, I'd go home, check for your horns on your offspring, cause your wife puts the fling in T fling. Sorry, I can see that really got you enraged, but is it the combat or your wife you wanna disengage? <laughs> hell's a clockwork harpy. A tiny broken clockwork. This is a broken clock instead cuz I don't know what a harpy is. Um, a harpy is half
4: woman and half bird. A broken I don't know what the hell it is. And clockwork is just animated uh, it's a it's a wind-up toy. Okay. It's a clock
3: though. Uh. <laughs> Damn, this clock really keeps great time if I may concur. I've been kicking your ass since half past forever. (laughs) Uh, When you rolled your crap stats, you should have called new shooter. Why'd you put your alignment at chaotic neutered? (laughs) And where's your your crew? Mine's here down in the den of victors. What's the matter? You you couldn't roll some breaching characters? (laughs) Chrome-dome talent, sorcerer and monk, downing all the beer because he can never get drunk. I take, I I like shotgun during this. Be on the lookout for missing drowazir. He looks just like his sister, minus the brassiere. (laughs) Then you got Sherlock Nomi, he's my number one homie. Ignore the booster seat, he's got the crossbow sexpert feet. (laughs) And Thaddeus, with the divine senses and smite, too busy kicking ass to get his character sheet ever right. (laughs) Thing I got this mirror uh, oh my god I, I, now I have a small mirror that shows a much older version of my viewer I, I've been juggling these things this entire time um, and I let the mirror drop to the floor and break and I go um uh, now I'm not very superstitious but no worries you're fucked because I'll still win this battle with seven years bad luck <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys came here to embellish the Duke, but my only reaction is some hellish repuke. It's over, fellas. You're right here should be feared because there's a million poser dukes. There's only one Alfred the Weird. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and then I just, uh, I knock over whatever <laughs> mic is available. It's probably just like a big, uh, just horn. <laughs> That's what they use. Oh, my God. That was so good.
2: So... So yeah, that that clip was amazing. And I think Thaddeus has a, a, a little behind the scenes for all the hit behind the scenes VH1 making of the podcast story to tell us. So,
1: um, that was actually my first time hearing that clip. So, uh, as Paul mentioned, uh, this is going to go a little behind the scenes. So whenever there's a situation where, um, one of our characters is hearing something that the other characters can't, we either, um, we either like muffle our ears or whatever, or we go out of the room, especially if it's like a longer uh, thing, I must've had to go to the bathroom or something like that. So I was like, Oh, uh, during this section, I don't even exactly remember why I wasn't uh, there, but I was, I went out of the room to, uh, not hear what was going on. The thing is typically somebody comes back and, uh, brings you back in once that part of it is over. Once the part where everybody gets back together, uh, starts up, everybody like gets brought back into the room. So two things didn't happen. One, nobody came uh, over to the room to get me. And two, I didn't think, huh, it's been a really long time <laughs> I've been sitting here and nobody's gotten me. Over a half hour. <laughs> yeah, it was literally over a half hour. I wonder why no one's getting me. So I literally, uh, we were doing this um, where Rob and Paul were living at the time, and I was in Rob's room just playing on his keyboard, just doing stupid shit. And then ev- I don't even know how I ended up coming back, but eventually... I came back there and I looked and I heard keyboard playing. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, why is he sitting
0: here? So, so... <laughs> Part of that's not true because, like, literally 30 seconds after you walked out, Paul goes, Okay, come back in. And you must have, like, just been in the bathroom or something and just not heard it. Like, it's, I'm pretty sure, I I haven't listened to the episode in a while. I'm pretty sure in the episode, you can hear him saying, Oh, come back in.
1: Oh, but I mean, how am I supposed to hear from that room? Whatever, it doesn't matter. I thought you were just taking a huge poop. (laughs) So
0: I literally (laughs) wasn't
1: there.
2: I thought that we were going to go in there and Sean was going to be, like, passed out on the toilet or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny yeah
1: I guess, I guess it makes sense <laughs> but then it must have been weirder if you think of taking a dump and then you hear a piano being played but yeah so I basically missed that entire scene like that whole thing and it was it's probably longer than what's actually in the show so it was pretty ridiculous yeah. and you know a lot of people's favorite moments so that was a little disappointing but it's still awesome to hear Now now yeah. now I gotta go back and listen to the whole thing that again. probably that's
0: probably the best episode because I think that was your your favorite moment was in that episode too yeah. uh so that that entire episode is was- Pretty phenomenal. And I
1: gotta say, so I knew the whole battle of bands thing, so I assumed Alfred was or uh, David was gonna say stuff. I did not realize that Josiah also did yeah. some stuff too. <laughs> there, was was a couple, there was like three songs. There. Oh my gosh, uh, I gotta listen to that again. Don't don't, don't, don't,
3: don't <laughs> listen
4: to
3: that. It's all bad. <laughs> what's What's funny about that though is that I'm told there's gonna be a battle of the bands, and I I assume Duke's gonna be there. So I'm writing I, I'm writing these notes as we're doing the show, as I'm writing I'm trying to write my rap as fast as I can. And in my original draft, it's kind of like I kind of thought I'd be I'd be battling Duke, so a lot of my yeah. lyrics were directly like targeted <laughs> at Duke. So I had to quickly re- rewrite them to target the random people who were on the battle of the Pants.
0: Did you actually freestyle Trinkets in that?
3: Oh, the Trinkets were real freestyle, yeah, Yeah,
4: that's impressive. Yeah, that was all oh freestyle. That's impressive. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, he he was referencing shit that happened like even before the Trinkets, he was referencing shit that happened that session, <laughs> Rob, like, Yeah. like yeah, I think you had just gotten that uh the wild the, surge that yeah. Made the me, wild uh, surge again. Oh, yeah, and not like like get that.
1: drunk. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, am I the only one who thinks this might be the start of a uh, a ridiculous YouTube channel? I mean, they have epic <laughs> rap battles. so Why couldn't they have D and D rap battles? Oh god. Are <laughs> so, yeah, just Alfreds. Alfreds yeah. channel.
3: I, I d- there is this is I did write a fan epic rap battle once. <laughs> <laughs> That's supposed to be Doc Brown versus, versus Professor Oak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why always bringing little boys in your cars? Uh, I don't need a. <laughs> oh shit. I'm of it. I, I, I bet you like, I bet you like your vine whipped like an underage Bulbasaur. I'm a prof, you a discredited doc who's claimed to fame's affordable clock that's prone to vapor lock. It's like versus my boy, boy Brock, you're as effective as a lightning shock. Your weakness is rap. Your weakness is, no, your weakness is rock. Your witness is rap. You, you think Claire is faithful to you? Check out this Pokemon Snaps. Just, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, yeah, all that out, but, oh <laughs> no, that's staying. But yes,
3: I, I did write an epic rap battle,
1: and this okay. also makes me realize that there has to be a battle of the bands in every season <laughs> <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also going to take that clip that you just said and put it out of context randomly <laughs> in our shows.
0: Okay, so Josiah, one of the. Not that I've DM'd, but from what I can imagine, one of the hardest things about DMing is reacting to just the stupid shit that players decide to do, uh, looking directly at Alfred. Uh, it's, uh, but did you have any big surprises from us that kind of just completely derailed what you were trying to do?
4: Yeah. Yeah. So there was nothing huge. Um, and I'll admit, like, um, you know, in Paul's first season, in that first season with Paul, like we just didn't go into the underdark and he completely rewrote things and good on him for doing that. But that is not my style. So I like to give you guys the illusion of choice. And, um, <laughs> you know, so uh, it's it's kind of like, OK, you're going to get to point A. How you get to point A is up to you. But I knew you were going to get to point A and then point B and point C, etc., etc. et cetera. So uh, like the, the thing that you. You guys almost messed up. Messed up was like, you, you had to get to the Misty Isles within a certain time period, and and you know the ship uh, oh. was destroyed. <laughs> but that was actually part of the plan. Was that that was one of the potential outcomes. Um, but I I didn't think it was going to happen. But it but then it did. <laughs> but uh, in that case, I had planned for it. And then, um, I think at one point Alfred wanted to leave the islands and I was like, mm, Nope, I'm not letting you leave the islands. <laughs> so I had to come up with some, um, some way to kind of keep you guys there. And, uh, another one was, uh, actually meeting mellicent Like you, so I think you guys were really slow to, um, chase after her, right? Cause this was after the battle on that beach where Alfred just basically kills everybody. He puts them all in a, <laughs> under hypnosis and then lines them up and and destroys them and then you guys um as you're looking at these fish people some orcs i think came in and you're supposed to give chase to the orcs and you guys just were not giving chase and so i had to you know throw <laughs> oh, melissa yeah. in there and do some screaming so you would like think th- damsel in distress and chase after her and then even still you guys were being super super cautious and so uh, when you got to the orc camp like just the the story of it was like they were She was already imprisoned because you guys took your time getting there and stuff like that. So um, I think she actually helped you help her escape, which was not really Mm -hmm. part of the plan. Um, You guys were supposed to just, like, figure out a plan to either stealth in there. Um, It was probably going to have to be stealth, but uh, uh, I think you somehow tripped the alarm or something like that. And so she took you to her hideout. Um, and that was all improvised just, just to kind of keep you guys from dying <laughs> early on. <laughs> but um, outside of that, you know, I guess that's just an example of how I tried to roll with the punches, right? Where, you know, I knew you had to meet mellicent in that in that uh, session. Um, and I knew you had to go get this item in that session, and I, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And I knew you had to stay on the island. So no matter what you did, you were going to basically stay on the island. Um, so again, that's how I played played uh, things as DM and and hopefully it didn't um, uh, rain on anybody's parade too much but uh, you know that's just the, the best way I I could map things out. As far as uh, examples of um, not really things that got derailed but just things that I weren't expecting that really turned into something that I liked a lot was uh, I mentioned this earlier? But the Sherlock's contraption, so that that uh, crossbow, and again, it was just a random thing that that David pulled out of his his bag of tricks or his, his trinkets, and and then Sherlock randomly said, you know, hey, can I can I have this? I think you guys were getting uh, I I gave you an opportunity to get some equipment before you went on the last big big job. And yeah. Sherlock kind of offhandedly said, oh, I, I want this. And it's like, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> and so I just wanted to make it as complex as shit. You know, it's just like crazy levers and, and all this stuff. And again, like I said, <laughs> I, I um, brainstormed all the mechanics with David and, and we kind of tried to make sure that it was, it gave you some options, but it, it wasn't uh, going to break the game or anything like that. And uh, you really had to think about what you were doing uh, when you use it, but you you can use it in some pretty uh, cool ways because it has a lot of utility. And then again, the other thing I, I really liked, um, you know, it kind of popped into my head after the Battle of the Bands was like I wanted uh, Alfred to have something um, that he won, you know, and and that was the harmonica that he got from Duke Argentum, and uh, <laughs> even before then. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, Alfred was doing something. This was before the Battle of the Bands, and he got that sheet music because, you know, I think he did something with Alana, who was the, the owner of the um, the Dueling Sisters Inn and in Tavern, and I think he sang a duet with her or something like that, and she was impressed, or, or he rolled a, a 20 or something on a performance check. I can't remember exactly why, but, you know, it was just those types of opportunities where uh, you guys did something and I tried to honor what you were trying to do and uh, give you a reward for it. So I know um, we all knew that you were going to be
1: DM, so I don't think any of us would have interrupted this, but did you have a plan if we found some way to save you when you get stolen away in the first episode? Like, oh, well, I guess you're playing also.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be against that. It just would be really crazy hectic. But in some ways, it, it could almost be easier, right? Like where you're using that character to steer um the story so to speak and and move you along and actually it's not too dissimilar from what um what paul did in season one because he introduced sherlock in that last one or two sessions and then i did and even though i knew paul was going to be um you know playing with us after that even though i knew paul was going to be playing with us after that it, it didn't really click that like that NPC that he introduced was actually going to be his, <laughs> yeah. his character, yeah. right? So it, um, it it wasn't part of the plan, and and probably I would have found a way to prevent it from happening, but if it did happen where you guys rescued Azir, I, I think it, it could have been in some ways a little bit easier for me to move the story forward.
0: All right, uh, so let's move on to Thaddeus's favorite
1: moment. So my moment, it was actually mentioned a little bit earlier, but... Um, Continuing the theme of uh, Alfred-centric moments, there was a part uh, earlier in the season where we were given a quest by mild buddies to solve a um, solve a situation between two groups. The, uh, what was it, the frog people and the, what was it? The Yeah, the Kuatoa. Bullywogs. Yeah, the Bullywogs. So, yeah. Um, yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a couple of clips to set it up and how it kind of moved forward. So this is right after we um, we get the mission. This is Alfred thinking about the situation. We're about
3: to wipe out a whole race of beings because they're annoying.
1: <laughs> so he seems to uh, be thinking about the situation like it's, uh, it seems a little ridiculous. So moving forward a bit. And then I will go,
3: I am the great fish god. Kuatoa
1: Prime. <laughs>
0: so he <laughs> announced himself. I like that thought process. <laughs> and <laughs> pause there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Talk about having to think shit off the top of your head, and then um, now it seems like the Kuatoa aren't listening to him. They don't really give a shit that he's this all-powerful being because they don't believe that he's a god. So he has to um, talk to them a little more sternly.
4: Alfred Cern.
3: I'm gonna laugh and go, You dare call me a false god?
4: I don't think they
1: said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's getting he's getting angrier, and they're not they're still not believing him, so
3: But perhaps now I just physically move them in one line and cast lighting Pulse <laughs> down the road. <rope.
1: laughs> How long would it take me
3: to to put them in a, some sort of linear line? They kind of passed out. I'm not sure how they passed out. But if they're uh, all right below me.
4: I mean, they're kind of like in a semicircle around you. So, just a couple on the ends, you'd have to try to move. <laughs> I mean, if you want to try to do that. <laughs> yeah, can I get them in a line so I could
1: hit them all with one attack? And then finally, after he puts them under hypnosis, the final coup d'etat.
3: Coup d'etat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
1: awesome. So there's yeah. one out of
3: alignment. That's fine. I want, I want the one to see this. <laughs> alright, I'm gonna cast lightning bolt. Lightning, yeah, lightning bolt in that row. <laughs> and they're gonna fail this because they fail the deck save. Okay. So they will all take 30. 36 damage. Okay, they're all dead. Yes.
0: Except for that one, alright. <laughs>
3: I'm just covered in fish guts, though. There's explode. There's this giant
0: explosion. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part about the whole thing was that uh, all of us, except for Alfred, were on the boat still, like, yeah, uh, yeah. in the
1: water, not even close to this at all. And we saw this in the distance. <laughs> oh, and I, cut, I didn't put the part because it doesn't matter where I start once... I don't know if it's a lightning. Something happens. So my instinct is to go towards you. We're still really far away, so it's never going to happen. And then everybody else is like, where are you going? You told us to stay. (laughs) It's like, oh, fine. And I came back. My favorite part of that
3: is that the most difficult part of the entire encounter isn't harnessing the power of lightning to shoot a hundred feet it's moving fish, fish and even harder it was getting a net off my head yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so as the kuator <laughs> asleep i'm like oh god i gotta play god now as i'm struggling to get this tiny net tossing me by fish people yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs> off my head. i can put that in too i don't know if it's too much but yeah you you keep having to uh, do strength checks to get that off oh my god all right
0: uh going back to josiah Uh, So I got actually asked this a couple times on Twitter, and um, I know you did extensive research research on the matter, but what uh, tools and resources did you use when you were planning out your campaign?
4: Yeah, ultimately, I decided to use Fantasy Grounds. Um, And ironically, one of the reasons I chose to use it was because it had a Mac version, and I ended up doing a dual boot scenario and running it on windows on my macbook anyway because the the mac version um... the resolution was really weird and you you just couldn't fit a lot of stuff on the screen and there's like this point where it was cutting off uh... uh... some some important information so uh... like i said i ultimately ended up using fantasy grounds on windows ten using parallels to um, to run a virtual machine on my on my MacBook, uh, but uh, Fantasy Grounds, I, I really liked it because it it was very robust. It had a lot of a lot of cool features, um, where I could make your character sheets and and use them, and then even make character sheets for NPCs, that sort of thing. And right around the time when we were starting to play, they also um, it wasn't just Fantasy Grounds. Other companies got a chance to do this as well. But Wizards of the Coast, the the people who own the licenses to D and D started licensing their materials out, so you could have like real uh, modules, and, and so you could you could effectively buy the um, you know the the players handbook and and the DM manual and and um, Volo's guide to creatures and stuff like that. So uh, I could import those creatures like the Death Squire and uh, or the Death Knight, and then modify them and rename them, something like the Death Squire. And uh, same thing with all the uh, the wear people on the boat. You know, I just imported a wear bore, a, a, a wear bear, a, a wear rat, that type of thing, and then renamed them, reap cheap, and and all that stuff, and <laughs> and uh, modified their stats. So that was really helpful. Um, there are a couple quirks, and like I mentioned early on, you know, it took me a little while to get used to the software, and I think it would have been, um, it actually would have been pretty nice if if you guys had all logged in as well and then I would have done a lot more with maps and stuff like that but because um I was the only one using that software I didn't do a ton with maps I think the only time a map really came into play was uh the the final heist when you guys went into the palace and I I gave uh I drew that on graph paper well on on my iPad and put in a grid and then shared that with you guys over Slack so um, yeah, I, I, I liked Fantasy Grounds a lot, though, and I, I think, you know, Rob, you we've been talking about maybe doing something like a, a side uh, game with your parents yep. and, and some yep. friends and stuff like that, and I'll probably use Fantasy Grounds for that as well.
3: What's also cool, though, is, is that, uh, Josiah, you can draw <clears throat> some of the maps as well, like that boat you drew and then put in Fantasy yeah. Grounds to get the grid, right? Yeah. yeah is which... G-Gesire, underselling how good of an artist he is. He's a great he's a great digital artist who can mm-hmm. he can literally draw the maps. When I was DMing, I was shamelessly in MS Paint mashing maps together to like make my own general sense of where I wanted to be. Um is hand drawing them on his uh, computer.
1: And actually we should yeah. we might put that up on the website. I mean, I guess.
0: Yeah, we All should. Right? If you have some of the materials, Josiah, we can definitely throw those up. So you
4: can see his wonderful artwork. I'll share the boat, I'll share the uh the palace and um and the world map I can share that.
0: Josiah, did you have any favorite moments from this season?
4: Yeah, so lots of favorite uh moments, um, you know, just things that just made me laugh so much or smile or, or whatever and, and um but some of the things that you know were really um cool to meet for me as a DM were um when I could see that you guys were really enjoying it and so You know, David kind of mentioned that one of his when he mentioned his favorite moment, like I I knew that was going to be his favorite moment because you you could just see see it and hear it in his voice during that session. So um, all of Alfred's reactions to meeting Duke Argentum and the things that, you know, when I'm just kind of offhandedly saying, okay, the Duke uh, says this to you and and David's reactions to how I'm talking to him in in character is just it's uh, it's really priceless like that's that's a big um that makes me feel good that you guys are are enjoying it and um kind of if i had to talk about like one scene in particular uh it's this idea of it's it's maybe the second or third to last episode (laughs) we you guys finally put together a plan to be a traveling band and it works right this idea of you're going to sneak into the palace by being a traveling band and you know if you go back to um to Paul's uh season that was like one of the first plans like we meet uh, in the second session that we played we meet uh Alfred because he wasn't there that very first one and then yep. he's like oh well we'll just be a traveling band and he <laughs> walks up to this uh to this um uh mini mini fort or whatever it was in that first session so um I just think it's kind of poetic justice that we, we come back to the full circle. Like you guys are now what, level six, level seven, uh, just about turned level seven. And uh, and you can finally do your traveling band skit. So. For that great was- poetic justice.
0: <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll pose this question to everybody now just to wrap this up. Uh, what do you expect your characters uh, to do this upcoming season or how do you expect them to to play out?
3: Uh, so I'll go first. Uh, I think Alfred. I, I think Alfred um, is gonna have to find a way to juggle being an adventurer and a family man. I mean, he's a, he's a great juggler, so I think he'll be able to handle it. But uh, I, I do want to imprint this this kind of notion that that Alfred Alfred kind of wanted to give up the adventuring life, and then in a classic, this is uh, one last job until retirement, and finds out his grandfather is a famous adventurer. And um, I think Alfred's gonna have a off-screen heart-to-heart talk with him and figure out what it means to be an adventurer and a family man, because it sounds like Duke wasn't, wasn't the best family man, but it sounds like he is the best adventurer. So uh, (laughs) Alfred's going to have to figure out what, what to do about all this.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Talon has his brother back now, so it'll be, you know, he has his mentor, his, you know, his guide back a little bit, although, uh, one hand less than he had when he was adventuring with him. Um, but, like I said earlier, like, you know, he's been kind of losing his faith. He hasn't like he's been away from the monastery, so he's kind of losing that connection. Uh, so I think he's trying to look for his new purpose uh, and basically something, some new ideology to cling to and kind of drive him forward. So I think that's how
1: uh, yeah, that's what he's gonna be searching for in the next season. So, you know, it's funny, um, it ended up turning out that you guys had a lot of, uh familial connections. Like, it's sort of... where. So Thaddeus doesn't have that we kind of story. do not know anything about
0: you. What? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that might be part of it. I mean, exploring... There's definitely an element... I mean, he He's is gonna a paladin. He's going to down. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is a paladin, but we really haven't explored anything about that. Um, I've really been playing it more as just like a, a warrior that's just a uh, single-hands weapon. So um, there might be more seeing the paladin side, maybe seeing the religious side, and uh, seeing other elements of Thaddeus that we don't really uh, go into that much because there weren't really that many side storylines to go through.
3: What I love, though, is that
1: despite you not thinking
3: you're the best paladin, in the game, you're still being honored and given the powers to be a paladin. So what does Balmat have in store for you where he's not like, all right, we got to kick this guy to the curb. Something definitely special has to be brewing. Yeah. (laughs)
4: uh unfortunately um paul and sherlock holmes uh gnomes won't be joining us for the n- next season yeah. no. i was really looking forward to all no. five of us playing because we have a, a guest GM. <laughs> um, we didn't I'm want sorry. him anyway right, guys? <laughs> but i'm sure he's uh, living his life in the brass city somewhere right the- <laughs> <laughs>
2: with my brass wife and my brass children
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we actually when we enter the new town in the next season there's one of those
4: signs that says must be this tall to enter <laughs> that so azir i think is going to have to um deal with some uh some serious stuff i mean he you know he kind of lost his hand uh at the tail end of season two and then we didn't see him much for season three and he's trying to deal with what what happens with that uh you know cuz he he was so um as, as a monk as a fighting monk he, he did a lot of kung fu with his uh with his two hands and would hold his quarter staff with two hands and that sort of thing so he he's got to figure out what's going to happen with that and and kind of deal with the uh also the the stress of um being reunited with his sister and then Having to lose touch with her because um, she ha- she's committed to fighting uh, melison and uh, tracking her down now that she's been let loose on the world. So um, you know he he's going to be trying to deal with that stress and and um, and that weighing on his shoulders.
0: Oh, that's going to be Talon's purpose is to find hand attachments for Seer <laughs> to use in various situations.
1: <laughs> Which hand was it that got lopped off? Left or right? left that'd be really funny if you find out his sisters like discriminates against right-handed people <laughs> no
2: <laughs> yeah i i i i I greatly enjoyed playing with all of you and and I'm bummed that I won't be in the next season, but hopefully I'll be able to make some guest appearances we'll yeah, see yeah. and and uh hopefully that works out but yeah i I miss it I miss it a lot so. Thank you for all that you've given me.
0: <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to find you to, uh, ways to come back on in, in, uh, or the next season after that.
1: I hope there's some situation where um, we're in a dire situation we're about to die and the GM has to figure out some way to save us. It's like a crossbow bolt comes out of nowhere. <laughs> hey, guys, gotta go. <laughs> All right, uh,
0: so that's going to do it for this season of Roll to Hit. As always, we had a blast making this show for you. Uh, we're always so happy to hear how much you enjoy listening to it. I also want to give a special shout-out to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we're humbled by the support you've been giving us, and we really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to join the Patreon, you can find it at patreon.com slash roll uh, We'll be using some of the donor names and some names from people who uh, share about the show or mention us uh, on Twitter or other social media, uh, we're going to be using some of those names as NPCs next season. Uh, you can follow our channel page uh, at The Commentist, uh, either on Twitter uh, and The Commentist on Instagram. I'm also Robbie Stells on both of those. Uh, Paul is Stay Pizzative. You can use the hashtag Roll the Hit uh, to share about the show and share us with your friends. We really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to leave us some positive reviews on iTunes or whatever platforms you're listening to this on. Uh, Thank you to the Ghost Mice for using, uh, for use of the song Critical Hit as our theme song throughout this season. Uh, And once again, we appreciate everyone for continuing to listen and support the show. Uh, We've we've mentioned we have a new secret surprise guest DM uh, for next season. A lot more great content coming at you in season four, uh, which will be coming out in a few days. So stay tuned.